You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Mobile, Alabama. Three guys who cover the Chicago Bears down here watching the Senior Bowl. Lauren Cox from Lockdown Bears, and I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Robert Schmitz from Windy City Gridiron, and my YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion. I'm Brandon Robinson with Windy City Gridiron. And what's you guys' Twitter handles? People are watching, listening, and want to follow you and get more. I'm Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. At BRobNFL, B-R-O-B. And I'm at Cox Sports one on the Twitter. We're here breaking down prospects, but we're also here just like talking Bears. We've seen Matt Eberflus, we've seen Ryan Poles, we've seen Bears scouts around. There's been a lot of those sort of mingling going around in the, I mean, the whole NFL is down here, and it's and it's a lot of fun. We thought it would be a great time to get some minds together to talk Chicago Bears. So let's start with the two new men in charge of, of the organization. I know there's kind of a lot of different ways we could go with this, but I guess, Robert, to start with you. Sure. General impressions. I mean, not just the press conference, but their backgrounds, the hires compared to who else was there. What do you feel? How do you feel about this? The new regime, the state of the franchise moving forward. So I think the thing that I am most optimistic about, and if you know me at all, you know I'm a pretty positive person. I really don't want to be apathetic about the team that I cover. And what was always hard about this recent Chicago Bears regime is it felt like for every one step that Ryan Pace would take this team forward, he would put one bullet in his foot and we would move backwards. How far? Good question, but a great example. I loved the trade-up for Justin Fields. The Bears needed a quarterback. They found one, and then we traded up for a left tackle that, sure, it turns out in hindsight had medical injuries, but at the time that was two huge picks the Bears needed on a roster that lacked talent, and then they both went into one player who ended up playing three games because that's not abnormal for draft picks. So what I'm excited about, all that to say, Am I super jazzed about Matt Eberflus? Honestly, by the end of the coaching cycle, I had talked to myself about just about, or out of just about everybody. Mm-hmm. But Eberflus is a detail-oriented coach that I'm hoping will get the most out of a Ryan Poles-led roster that Poles is somebody I'm really excited about. He seems like, from the conversations that I've had with PFF's Brad Spielberger, a really inquisitive mind, somebody who immediately brought in a, a, uh, an assistant GM that's well-respected in Ian Cunningham. And what I'm hoping is that where Ryan Pace seem to say at the end of the day I'm going to save this organization Ryan Poles can lead a much more do your job organization that says I'm going to hire scouts that they're going to do the scouting I'm going to hire coaches they're going to do the coaching me and my staff we're going to make sure that we get proper value in every single action we make and if they can do that hopefully over the next couple years Poles and his staff can deliver Eberflus a roster with a solid amount of talent that he can coach up just a little bit. Nobody has to be a superhero, and the Bears become just a stable, good team, much like the teams that we've seen in the playoffs. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me a lot like one of Ryan Pace's favorite words, collaboration. I mean, I, I know. But Brandon, like, do you think it helps that the Vikings didn't get Jim Harbaugh? I mean, what, what, as far as like this franchise moving forward, I know like we've heard different you know Chicago sports radio people, or whatever. Like, there's been some mixed reaction because it is. It's not a sexy hire. It's not, I don't think, but most of the average Bears fan did not know who Matt Eberflus was. And certainly, we never really know the GM candidates all that well. But I guess, do you, do you have faith, trust, uh, evidence that this can be different? Or is it more just sort of hope? It's, it's definitely hope because he was on my, Eberflus was my third tier of, of coaching hires. I mean, I, I was big on Brian Dayball. Obviously, a lot of Bears fans were too. 
Um, I was not as high on Jim Harbaugh. I, I was kind of hoping that the Vikings would get him just because I, w- I felt like we would be able to see truly who he is as a coach. Where like we're not we're not looking back at 2014 just basing it off of record, but uh, I think the Ryan Poles hire was big. I mean he's really well respected around the league, and I think that's that's basically what you can hope from a GM because we don't know a lot about what these guys are because they're not the ones truly making the decisions. So I just want to go with the guy who has who's the most respected, and obviously he was the the Vikings number one candidate. So being able to steal him from the Vikings was just huge it was massive i think they got a decent gm there so good for them um and as far as Eberflus, i like it was for me it was big that ryan poles took over the the coaching hire because like i i wasn't very optimistic about who ownership and bill polling were gonna hire yeah like it just felt like jim caldwell would would have ended up being the guy so for ryan poles to come in there and just put himself on the table and be like Yes, I'm the one making the hire. I'm the only one that wants to be involved in interviews, I think was huge. So if he has conviction with Eberflus, I'll have conviction on both of them. And yet he still gets a Bill Polian guy in Eberflus, at least, at least a Colts guy in the Bill Polian tree. Yeah. Right? Yes, but, but Eberflus comes in, and this will be interesting because of potentially what exactly is going to happen to this defense. Alan Williamson is the defensive coordinator, you know, the, the Leslie Frazier, Tony Dungy type defensive coaching tree, Rod Marinelli. I know you guys were just watching some Eberflus tape today. I guess, Robert, we'll go back to you to start with that. What, what are you expecting in terms of, like, obviously we know it's like 4-3 front, but they play so much nickel nowadays. It's you know, That's part of it, but right. more so uh, from a coverage standpoint. What types of things are you expecting to see differently, and how are you expecting some of the, some of the core players currently on the roster to fit into some of those things? Right. So the basic way to describe Matt Eberflus' scheme, and Brandon, honestly, you're a better defensive mind than me, so if I miss on anything, yeah. feel free to jump in. But if you've ever been to an all-you-can-eat sushi restaurant, Uh-oh. you know that generally you can get a ton of sushi for cheap, and it's basically every way to gussy up a California roll possible. And this Matt Eberflus defense is a billion ways to disguise cover two. And honestly, they get into it well. I mean, we were watching the Rams game against the Colts, and whenever they played cover one kind of sets, especially when they had guys in man, their their matchups did not favor them. And Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and plenty of the other things that the Rams do really well. I mean, McVay's offense obviously speaks for itself. We're kind of running over them. But whenever the Colts dropped into cover two, they'd flat out fool Matt Stafford. I mean, they forced him into multiple turnovers, multiple potential turnovers on top of that, and also got out of some key third downs. It's a bend but don't break defense. It's not dissimilar to what Desai was doing, but it's a little bit less based on pattern match and a little more just off of cover two, quick triggers and tags that are based on scouting. But as far as that fit that you talked about, I think guys like Eddie Jackson, they're going to slot right in. Whether Roquan Smith plays Mike or Will linebacker is going to be a real question. That's like, that's like number one question for the <laughs> yeah. future of the defense. I mean, Eddie Jackson, yes, but like... And he's, and he's just more like, what's gonna like? Will he be good or not? But with Roquan, it's like, wait, where actually is he gonna play, and what's right. what's that role gonna look like? But honestly, I think the even deeper question is like, which players do they want to target in the draft versus which holes do they want to try to fill in free agency? Because I'm sitting there watching the Senior Bowl. If, if there's really anything that came to me, it's that Devontae Wyatt, potentially in the early second round, would be a killer interior defensive line. But mm-hmm. also, they could go with a safety. But also, they could try to get a corner. They could also look at a Mike linebacker. There's so many of these. Wide receiver, <laughs> offensive line. <Yeah. laughs> it's wide open. I mean, yeah. it really is because the Bears basically don't have anybody on the roster. Yeah. So how they approach free agency and then the draft – 
total mystery. They could go so many ways. Well, the, the, the sushi buffet restaurant's interesting because some people go to a sushi buffet restaurant and get food poisoning. And, then, <laughs> and, there, were, well, and there were times when that Colts defense was surprisingly vulnerable and sometimes maybe too simple. Like some, some coaches, clearly wasn't McVay in that specific game, right. but there were times when maybe an offense was staying a step ahead. We've heard that Iberflus, you know, is very adaptable and will mold the defense and is not just going to be stuck in specifically like only running the same schemes over and over again, depending on the personnel that he has. But I guess, Brandon, from your perspective, did you feel it was too simple sometimes? Or, or does the simplicity work in its own way? Like, how do you sort of balance, how do you see that balance for them? Right. To me, what I want out of a defensive coordinator and a defensive philosophy in today's NFL is you're playing too high zone. I, I think too high zone is really taking over the NFL. You think yeah. of Vic Fangio, you think of Brandon Staley. I mean, you think of Raheem Morris, who I thought did a tremendous job with the Rams just bringing in Brandon Staley's defense. And so bringing that in, I think is huge. But I mean, I think they could mix up their defense a little bit more. I think they ran cover two a little bit too much, at least from watching the film. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think this defense is going to live and die by disguising. I think mm-hmm. with me and, when me and Robert were watching the film, we would stop it right before the ball was snapped. And then we would try to identify what coverage they were running. A lot of the times we're sitting there like 100% that's cover one. Wasn't cover one. It would be cover two a lot of the time. So I think if they could do a lot of a lot of that and I think having Roquan, I, sorry, having Robert Quinn and having Cleo Mack will help a lot. Because if you look back on the Colts defense, they didn't really have a winning pass rusher. So seeing how much they rely on those guys will, will mean a lot. And you talk about who they're going to identify in the draft and free agency – I mean, when you think about the Colts, you think about Chris Ballard and you think about guys that they've identified on defense and it's guys of length. So does Eberflus bring that with him to the Bears or maybe does he look for something else? Hey, Bears fans, Lauren Cox here to tell you about just a wonderful app that's pretty much for anybody. If you ever put gas in a car or any kind of vehicle, Get Upside is made for you. Lockdown Bears listeners are using Get Upside to earn cash back every time they fill up their car, every gallon of gas, every time at the pump. You just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play, and you're going to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back every time you fill up. Stop paying full price at the pump, especially right now. Gas prices are going up and up once again. Get some cash back with Get Upside and make it just a little bit easier on your wallet. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars using Get Upside, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your Get Upside account. You can cash out at any time, direct deposit to your bank account. You can go through PayPal or even cash out with an e-gift card for Amazon or other online retailers. Just download the free Get Upside app. Enter in our promo code Touchdown. And you're going to get up to $0.25 cents per gallon cash back when you fill up. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN on the Get Upside app. If you're looking to put some money down on the upcoming big game to cap off these football playoffs, our friends at Bet Online have you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the end of the season right up to the big game, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news throughout the postseason. And it's not just for football, because BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL hockey, baseball, soccer, talk, soccer, hockey, tennis, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates on current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers they have available for this 2020 season. Head on over and check out our friends at BetOnline, because like they say, BetOnline 
is where the game starts. I think another key difference personnel-wise between the Colts and the Bears that I'm really curious to just watch unfold is that this Bears defense, look, I I feel like the only way to describe its personnel in 2021 was studs and duds. You had, <laughs> yeah. you had Roquan Smith and you had Eddie Jackson, who I know a lot of Bears people are down on. I still really think he's exceptionally talented. You had Jalen Johnson, you had Khalil Mack, you had Robert Quinn. And, you and also, then what else? <laughs> you also had Kendall Vildor. And you had, like, I think Bilal Nichols had a fine season, but nothing... He's not a difference maker. Exactly, yeah. nothing exceptional. Alec Ogletree was not good at that second linebacker <laughs> position. And to Sean Gibson is overbilled because he had two interceptions, basically, I mean, one fall out of Mark Andrews' hands and right into his. So his numbers can look a little better than he is, whereas those Colts defenders, I'd actually credit Eberflus. Yeah. None of them were that bad. Like, no matter what their talent level was, because I'm not about to pretend that I'm an expert on their safety. What's his name? Willis? Right. Kyrie Willis. Like, I'm not an expert on any of their personnel, but they didn't look near as lost as some of the Bears guys would look. The question is... Can the Bears guys that we know are difference makers promote that defense to another level the same way that Todd Bowles' defense could look really bad with improper personnel, but with good personnel, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL? I truly don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we're being careful to meld the GM and coaching decision. We think think a lot of time it's like, oh, well, defensive coordinator's got to get more out of those guys. Well, yes. But like you also have to give like that's the thing with Sean Desai like mm-hmm. it was hard it felt very difficult to give a totally fair evaluation of Sean mm-hmm. Desai this season when Plan A at cornerback was Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley. It's like when Ryan Pace was preseason Ryan Pace said we're really excited about the depth and competition we have at cornerback we think that's a strength of our defense. Like, yes, Sean Desai was not like phenomenal, but like it was just it was so frustrating. So to have coaches elevate the level of player level of play of players is going to be important, right? Especially when you have a quarterback that. Trying to elevate the level of play of players on the offensive side of the ball. Luke Getze coming in as offensive coordinator from Green Bay. We now have uh, the Gadecki from or the the new quarterback coach of the Vikings. I can't think of his Janeki Janoki Janeko. I'll look it up. I can, I can never remember it. the pronunciation. I was talking to Luke Braun, Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings about it, trying to work through the pronunciation. It's Andrew <laughs> Janoki. Anyway, Vikings quarterback coach. We got the former Falcons offensive line coach. The Giants wide receivers coach, and of course, a lot of these guys, I guess maybe not the receivers coach, but coming from Matt LaFleur, Mike Shanahan schemes from Atlanta or from the Green Bay now with with Getze. I guess, Brandon, we'll go back to you. Seems like a lot of things we were trying to see them do with Justin Fields last year to put him in a better position, but I guess what's your level of optimism that this can be the right, at least least foundation of an offensive coaching staff to get things correct? Right. Well, I'm I'm pretty high on Luke Getze just because he's a Joe Moorhead disciple and I've mm-hmm. watched quite a bit of Penn State's tape and I mean it when you're thinking of maximizing Justin Fields ability you're thinking of vertical vertical passing game you're thinking of quarterback run game and that's kind of what he has but and if you look at the NFL as a whole I mean a lot of people are bringing in the Shanahan LaFleur-esque offenses and so him being able to bring this the spread run game and the vertical passing concept and mold it with the Shanahan, LaFleur type concepts, mm-hmm. I think you could really, really maximize Justin Fields. But the, you have to, he hasn't done it before, right? So that's kind of the question mark is what kind of offense exactly is he going to bring? Because at this point, it's a mystery, and but you can just be optimistic based on who he's worked with. And part of the challenge here is that they have one wide receiver under contract this year, Darnell Mooney. So you're going to be able to rebuild a whole set of weapons, or at least 
most of a set of weapons, maybe bring in another tight end to replace, hopefully replace Jimmy Graham from fingers crossed that they'll move out of him. Of course, you got the backfield, but then rebuilding an offensive line. There's still a lot of time for this offense to take maybe a lot of different shapes depending on what the personnel is going to look like. But I guess, Robert, from your perspective, mm-hmm. you, where are you on Luke Getze? Where are you on, on this coaching staff as a whole? I mean, we, we can look at their resumes and look at their, their track record of players they've developed or whatever. But again, this sort of the GM conversation comes in. You also have to give them talent too. Oh, right. I mean, the worst part about any of these hires, especially from our end, right? We're so ear to the ground on a lot of these guys, but we're also not in the room. We haven't interviewed Luke Getze. We haven't seen him as an offensive coordinator before, and it's easy to forget that even though it's really easy to get excited about a known quantity, I know a ton of Bears fans wanted Pep Hamilton, it's also easy to remember, or it's easy to forget that most of these known quantities got fired somewhere before, mostly due to a failing of some kind. So every time you hire Luke Getze, you get a lot more unknown, but hey, a little bit of upside. The question becomes, so I know Luke Getze was known for the play concepts that he brought to the Packers. The mm-hmm. things that they used on third down. Third down was his down. Right, yeah. exactly. So he's called plays before, but we just got away from an offensive mind in Matt Nagy who had a lot of favorite plays and play concepts, but didn't build an offense with it that was cohesive. That's the hallmark of the Shanahan system. So whatever they decide to go with, because I know some coaches can really struggle to get outside of their own system. That's part of what made Brian Dable so impressive. I thought that he did so many things differently in his time at Alabama and Buffalo compared to what he had done with the Chiefs and other times in like 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, so on and so forth. So can Luke Getze build an offense that at least I feel like the modern floor, the standard, is something where they line up in formations that can do multiple things. I mean, that's what Shanahan's known for, obviously, plays that set up plays. That's everybody's goal. And if Luke Getze can do that, I think it'll help out a, a quarterback in Justin Fields that, Lauren, you and I were talking about this, made some amazingly difficult things look extremely easy, or at least easy to him, and made some extremely easy and routine things look shockingly hard. So they're going to have to make sure that they can build something that helps Fields find that floor so that he can then pop the ceiling off. I guess, Brandon, where do you stand on, on Fields' floor right now? Because I think we in Chicago, you know, we watch a lot of, we watch every throw, we watch every game over and over again. Like, we see a lot of, but you get so much of that sort of national perception pushback of, like, the interception to touchdown ratio and some of the some of the bad, bad yeah. throws. And, like, I, I'm always trying to be, like, conscious, like, okay, am I overweighting the good things that we see? And am I ignoring too many of the red flags? Because I... I was left this season maybe slightly less optimistic about Fields. I mean, I think he did worse than I thought he would. And not that it's purely his fault. I mean, they didn't have a good plan for him. They didn't have a good supporting cast for him. And there was a lot of things around him. But, like, I, I think he underwhelmed for me. Again, not it wasn't necessarily yeah. just him. So, I guess, how, how do you how do you sort of – where's your level of optimism for him now compared to, what, nine months ago when they drafted him and traded up to get him? Well, I was actually one of the ones that – didn't want him to play at all. I just don't. Why? Yeah, just go, go through that. Yeah. I, I typically just don't think that any rookies are ready. I, I think the whole pro ready thing is kind of overrated just because it's impossible for these guys to be ready. The college game is completely different than NFL concepts, and people don't really realize how complex some of these passing concepts are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, like, just to throw these guys in, like, Justin Fields playing against the Browns was like completely oh. comical like yeah. you're setting your guy up to fail and I kind of think that's what the Bears did so I thought the the main thing that I wanted to see from Justin Fields is to see him progress 
And I think he really did that. I, you can really see some of his, his processing quicken as the season was going. You can see some of the mistakes lessen as the, as the season was going. So honestly, like how he ended the season, I was very happy with. His very last game was his best game. Mm-hmm. So to, for, him, for him to be hurt... And, I, and I'm using my fingers. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, for that him, one. For him, for him to be hurt, like I was glad, right? Not for him to be hurt, but just to end on that. I thought that was very, very important because now he can lead with his confidence into the off season and improve. Because for for me, the rookie expectations are the floor, honestly. Came all the way down here to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, but one little piece of home I brought with me was Built Bars, the world's best tasting protein bars. I brought a few of them down with me. It's been a nice little snack, a little pick-me-up, something to keep me full when long days watching practices over at the stadium because they give you all the nutrients and the sustenance of a protein bar, but they taste like candy bars. Every Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, delicious. They come in a bunch of different flavors. But more importantly, Built Bars are low-sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. You can't find any other protein bar product on the market that tastes this good and is also this good for you. You got to try them for yourself. I've been eating them for years and I can't stop. Head on over to built.com, enter in our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. It's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at built.com. But like you're talking about, Lauren, I mean, I, I don't want to be the, the sad person in the room because that's not the bit, right? But all the articles that we're seeing about Justin Fields is outstandingly low QBRs, according to ESPN. And sure, we could cite fun stats like PFF's big time throw percentage where Justin Fields was spectacular. Mm-hmm. His deep accuracy where uh, I think it was Johnny Kinsley who does the deep ball project said that Justin Fields was Fifth among all quarterbacks. You heard that right. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that you could cite with Justin Fields, but I did this dance with Trubisky in 2019. I mean, I know, Brandon, you in particular weren't really on the Trubisky train at that mm-hmm. point, but I've been there before where I over-justify and look at all the things and say, like, okay, but, but these are the things I want to focus on because he could build on these. So I feel like, look, I'm super optimistic about Fields, but kind of like in 2019 – we got to see it quick. It's not something where if he pops out the first four weeks averaging 175 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions a game, that we're going to sit here being nearly as optimistic even just a couple weeks later, right? It's either going to happen pretty quick or I feel like might be time to replay it. it well, is it, is it fair to expect quick results with a brand new coaching staff and a brand new set of players? <laughs> but that's the thing. We did this with Mitch. Right? Comes right. with Matt Nagy. I mean, year one, obviously, he worked well, but like, we want yes we if if he if Fields goes a whole season of like up and down we can't we can't be playing this game again of Mitch where it's like is he good or is it the coaching staff it's like well he, he needs to pick it up by the end of the season but like I, I guess Brandon where do you set expectations for for year two we want to see that year two jump but there is a lot of change and a lot of new things but it could all be for the better right I I and I I do think it's for the the better but I mean we talk about the GM and head coach and their relationship I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on them to set Justin Fields up. To succeed, right? Like we we expect him to improve, but like he's he's not gonna do everything. Like like this team is not set up to win any games. Like Darnell Mooney is is good, right? And he has some versatility, but they have to bring in viable passing 
guys. They don't have viable passing receivers right now because Cole Komet, he, like he he's not a passing threat. He doesn't get open. So I like I think I think that's where I'm at. They have to completely rebuild the offensive line. Like I'm really worried about that compared to where I'm at with Fields because I don't have any expectations for him unless they do those things first. Well, we, we have seen Ryan Poles completely rebuild an offensive line. Well, I mean, yep. his team completely rebuild an offensive line in one season. What, two free agents, a trade, and two draft picks there. So there is there is some potential for things to turn around. And I guess, speaking of draft picks, let's let's go there. So we're in Mobile. Sure. We got to watch two days of practice. One completely drenched in the rain. was a little <laughs> bit hard to watch. Today's practice, as we're recording this on Thursday, was moved indoors, and only the, the special partners of the Senior Bowl are able to participate in watching the indoor practice. We get the film, but it's not quite the same as getting to see them on field. doesn't have to be offensive line specific, but guys who stood out that maybe Bears fans should know if they haven't started any NFL draft work yet and thinking like, okay, we've got some draft picks to get to this year, obviously free agency, but right, right. Who, who stands out for you from this week that's like, okay, Bears fans, watch this guy? To me, there were three receivers in particular that really popped out. I saw Christian Watson, who was a name that's getting... School in uh, position. Uh, yes. Wide receiver, North Dakota State University. Yes. So if you need to find his film, the easiest way to do it is going to be to go watch him with Trey Lance throwing to him in 2020. Yeah. Because I know that college film can be kind of hard to dig up. He looked like the guy on the national squad, which, mm-hmm. hey, you could call him the best of the rest, given that Jahan Dotson didn't practice, but being the best of the rest is a title worth having when you talk about the NFL draft. I thought on the other team, what with the, the, the American squad, Jalen Tolbert looked like the guy in that group, and Calvin Austin yes. would not stop That's sticking out. I know. Love him. And the best part is, because of his diminutive 5'7 status, you might be able to get him a little later than yeah. you think. And if somebody overdrafts him, somebody overdrafts him. But I couldn't help but walking at a senior goal. And granted, truth be told, guys, by his sight, I am. This is my first season really getting into draft stuff, but trading back from 39, especially given how hot those top 10 picks are. Remember, the day one ends after the first round, and then every team gets to go back and replan their big board. Mm-hmm. So those top 10 picks in the second round are sought after. If the Bears could trade back a couple spots, potentially pick up an extra third or fourth round, maybe more, that would be something I'd be really interested in because like you talked about, I mean, offensive line, this tight end class is loaded. If I could get an extra third third round pick to grab a tight end like Isaiah Likely, or God, oh. for, God forbid, Trey McBride falls further than he should. Like you're, you could get some major weapons, and you you need more of them than you need that one guy in this case. So a potential trade back. I mean, I know it's so analytical. It's so like guys like us, right? To be like, oh, we should trade back. But this draft looks like it's shaping up really well to get whether it's a guard like Jamari Sawyer, whether it's somebody like I think what was it, Penning kid mm-hmm. number seventy. He played relatively well, and then there's Tyler Smith who didn't attend the Senior Bowl. It, feels, it seems like a name that I don't think is getting near enough play. There are a lot of players out there, and if the Bears could trade back, they could end up with a solid haul of draft picks. It feels to me, regardless of what's going to happen in free agency. The Bears could use even their second round pick, but picks on any position except yeah. except running back and quarterback. <laughs> would you? I mean, you, you could talk me into a late round quarterback, maybe, but but certainly like those are the two that like any other position. Right. I mean, across the, even another tight end, I would use another early pick if the right one on Trey mm-hmm. McBride or I love Isaiah Likely. I mean, you named some of my favorite guys. Brandon, other guys, you can be the same position elsewhere on the Senior Bowl rosters that stood out to you that Bears fans should need to know. Darion Kendrick, a, a cornerback from Georgia, is a guy yes. that I think would really fit Eberflus' defense. I mean, when you think of cover two, you think of you think of just a zone defender. I think he matches underneath zones really well. Uh, 
Who, who's the uh, the cornerback from? Uh, so Kobe Bryant is another guy from Clemson. Yeah, no, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati corner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Is another guy. the The cornerback class was pretty deep here. Uh, as far as linebackers, I really thought this class was really underwhelmed. I thought Chad Muma didn't play pretty well. Ch- uh, Channing Tidall, Tidwell, uh, Tindall, Tindall from uh, yeah. Georgia. I thought he really underwhelmed. I, for me, my focus was just on receivers. Like Chris Christian Watson, I can't say enough good things from him. He's he. He kind of reminds me of how he carries himself. It's Darnell Mooney. Like he, he literally just came down here to get better, and I truly think that he that he did. Jalen Tolbert, like when you just see him walk around the film, I mean walk around the field, he just looks like a dude. And when you think of Justin Fields and and where he succeeds throwing the ball downfield, you think of a guy like adding a guy like Tolbert to your offense. I like I think you can do tremendous things with him, and I and I think they really need a guy like. Like him to bring into your offense, and when you think about the draft, and the thing is about the draft and free agency, a lot of the guys, for whatever reason, are just injured. So being able to maybe like what you said, trade back and and get a guy like Tolbert or Watson, I like I think would be tremendous value. I, I spent a lot of time looking more at the offensive line in the trenches, and a couple of guys stood out for me. One from the first. The first team I get the National American mixed up, but Zion Johnson, the Boston College, mm-hmm. call him a guard, call him a center. He lined up at both, but like when I'm thinking about the new offensive line coach Chris Morgan coming from that Shanahan style, you know, outside zone type of guys, I watched Zion Johnson reach block better than anybody else down here. He had a couple of bad snaps because he's, he's kind of working back and forth, and of mm-hmm. course, new quarterbacks and trying to get that. But I'm not I'm not too worried about snapping down here. But he can move and he is strong. I mean, it's it's that combination of not just being light and he made the move, but but. Denton, but keeping the feet smooth, but also being strong with the hands and not letting guys get off you. Zion Johnson was really impressive for me. And then both Georgia guards were really good, but I thought the slightly smaller one, I get it mixed up, Justin Schaefer, I think, is the, the small one. 68, the big one, is a little bit too, but more like a, he's more gap scheme, big kind of plotting guy. But but Schaefer, the 54, same kind of thing, like an ass kicker who can move. And that's what Ryan Poles has been talking about, like in that interview with The Athletic, talking about like wanting tough physical offensive linemen who are going to defend their quarterback when he's knocked down. Basically just raving about Tevin Jenkins and throwing Jermaine Effetti under the bus without calling either <laughs> one of them by name. Like that, th- Those Georgia kids, especially Schaefer, it seemed to me like, again, like strong interior guy. Whether you want to put Cody Whitehair at center or guard, we, I mean, that's another debate for another time again or what's going to happen with James Daniels. But like Zion Johnson could kind of do either one or you could put Schaefer in at guard and move one of the other guys to center and, and find a way to rebuild that interior in particular. And maybe, honestly, I still bring in – I consider bringing in a tackle and saying have Jenkins, Borum, and the veteran – all compete and start your best too. And the third one's the backup, whether he's your second round pick or whether he's a veteran free agent. May the best man win, but just yep. find a way to get at least two, if not three, new offensive line starters. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the Bears got to start. The only position I think we haven't talked about, and the one that I think, I don't want to say it matters the most because it probably doesn't, but it might make the biggest difference based on how these conversations between Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are going. Remember, the Bears are more than likely going to lose both Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. So who are their defensive tackles? They probably need a one-tech. They probably need a three-tech. Angelo Blackson can't be both, and he's probably a rotational guy at either one of them. Bilal Nichols, not under contract, so depends on where you want to put Mario Edwards. A guy like... Devontae Wyatt, if he falls from Georgia. That sounds tough. Special. Yeah. You know? 
And if they don't find somebody in free agency, that may be a position that they target. And Bears fans will immediately grab their head and be like, oh my gosh, we need receivers. We need offensive line. We need any position other than defensive line. What are we doing? But if they don't find help in free agency, that could, I mean, it's the first position I saw Iberflu staring at, which doesn't mean anything. But when he showed up on day two, he showed up right next to the defensive lineman and spent some time there. So I'm sure that's a position they're thinking about. In the later rounds, John Ridgeway kept sticking out to me. Big number 98 from Arkansas. Arkansas. He's not, he's almost too big. Like I've seen that in other scouting reports. He's 6'6 with incredibly long arms. So there's legitimate questions about whether he could rotate side to side against zone runs and so on and so forth. But as a potential one tech, I mean, it's hard to find guys that big that are consistent about generating power. Power. Obviously, his long arms help him establish first contact over the poor centers and guards that line up against him. He's somebody that I've got in mind because I love finding guys that are really good at something and have a red flag that'll push him down the board because you got to be able to find players in that fourth and fifth round, especially if you're trying to turn things around quickly. He's somebody I'm going to keep my eye on. Yeah, you mentioned turning things around quickly. That seems like it's the theme, right? It's like there's going to be a lot of change, but also that change needs to happen really quickly. And there's a lot more that's going to be changing and coming all throughout the offseason. There's so much, but we could, we could talk, we sit here and talk about Bears for hours. So one more time, guys, if someone wants to get more of your thoughts on the future of what's going to happen with this Bears brand, we'll start with you. Where can people find your work online and on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Windy City Gridiron and at NFL on Twitter. Robert? You can find me at Windy City Gridiron on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion, spelled like it sounds, and of course at Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. And of course, Lockdown Bears at Lockdown Bears at Cox Sports One. It's been a pleasure, fellas. Appreciate you guys not only coming down here, but yeah. getting together here and talking to some Chicago Bears. We'll hopefully find some other time to be able to do this again. It's hard. We live in different parts, but hey, we'll make it work and we'll be back someday somewhere. We'll get more Bears people involved and do another one of these roundtables. But in the meantime, Thank you, and of course, safe travels back up, back home. Absolutely. Thank you for having us on.